everyone. Welcome to the Shelf Games Podcast for the week of September 17th. This is episode number 119, and Shelf Games is a lighthearted look at the games that today and the ones still on the shelf. And I am your host, John, and joining me this week are uh, a wonderful cast of characters. We've got my uh, good friend, Jasulo, making his comeback to the show. What's up? How you been? I'm all right. That's good to hear. And uh, of course, we've got Ted. How you doing? Hey, what's going on? And coming back to the show, uh, game dev extraordinaire and uh, smoothest voice, I think, in game development. Uh, David, how you doing? Well, I'm doing really good, John. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome back, God, folks. Uh, how's everyone doing? It's, it's been a bit. Uh, and it's almost, you know, like uh, it's been a week, Ted, since I last spoke to you. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, yeah. man. Um, but, uh, but yeah, how's everyone doing? Jusula, what's, uh, what's new and exciting in your life? I'm studying a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live with my girlfriend now. Oh, Whoa. Yeah. And uh, I also live with a dog. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, shit. Wow. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is not the Chisulo I grew up with. Not. <laughs> <laughs> just, just getting settled down. Yeah. Yeah. Just working, studying, and that's about it. Yeah. Like, I play video games a little bit, not as much as I would like, but you know how it yeah. is. I've seen you on some Rocket League lately. I mean, I, they have this new Rocket Pass. I gotta put in my time. <laughs> <laughs> The Rocket Pass, that, is that kind of like the uh, the Battle Pass in, in Fortnite? I think so, yeah. I, I haven't played a lot of Fortnite, but... So so what what does the Rocket Pass entail? What, what's going on with that? Basically, uh, they changed the experience. Well, they changed the experience system. I mean, it looks different, but you gain experience, and then every time you hit a level, you, you hit a new tier, and then uh, they you get a prize. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a free Battle... There's a free Rocket Pass, not Battle Pass where you can get like one item every three levels kind of thing. And the item, the items aren't as good. Or is it a paid battle pass rocket pass? I keep saying battle pass. There's a paid rocket pass where it's $10 and then you get an item every level up and the items are better. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote. Yeah. That's uh that's exactly what Fortnite does. Yeah. 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 I yeah. was going to say it's very similar to, to the Dota Dota battle pass and, and whatnot. So, so the rocket pass, is that seasonal or is it like a year long thing or just a couple months? This is the first time they have it. I'm pretty sure it's going to be seasonal because they like to do the seasonal mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I think that's definitely the the go to model. Um, Ted, what about you? What have you been playing? I saw you you streamed Counter Strike Go for like eight hours yesterday. Eight hours and nine minutes. Oh my god! <laughs> According to OBS, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it was it was going well. We won all our games, and then the last one. Uh, just didn't we we didn't win yeah we did not win um and, and I, I know well. i know you're you're really humble about this but like to be frank like you you and your your cohort of friends are actually like very very good at counter-strike um i no, i wouldn't say we're very good i mean um, you might I you mean, might not be like at, at your peak anymore but like you've you're definitely a tier above i would say probably the average player uh sure let's go let's go with that <laughs> yeah um i find i make a lot of stupid like game decisions like i'll push things when I shouldn't push them. I, you know, just a bunch of things. Cause I get like hungry for kills mm-hmm. and that's like a bad habit of mine. Yeah. Um, but as far as like aiming, like sometimes I'll with, I'll with bad, but, um, my, my aiming is definitely, uh, even in the past few weeks being back into it has definitely improved um, mm-hmm. quite a bit. So happy about that. Yeah. So, so you kind of got your regular crew back together, no longer just playing solo or doing duos. Yeah, I mean, I think yesterday was a bit of a, a one-off. Like, usually we don't have that many people online, like in our friend group mm-hmm. that are playing at the same time. Yeah. Um. So that was that was super cool, and that was definitely conducive to me playing for eight hours straight. Nice. 
Uh, so yeah, cool. It's yeah. Uh, David, what have you been playing? What what's been going on with you? You just working, doing that game developer stuff? Just doing that game dev stuff. You know how I do. But I've been playing (laughs) Assassin's Creed. (laughs) Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Which one? Uh, Origins. So the the Egyptian one that just Mm -hmm. came out last year just came out one year ago. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's really fun. It's uh. It's kind of your Assassin's Creed formula at the same time, but I don't know if uh, any of you guys played it, but they, um, uh, with this edition, they completely nuked the old combat and gear system and went for something entirely different this time, uh, which is less based on just standing and waiting for a circle of dudes to counter you one at a time, um, Mm -hmm. and more about actually like fighting and performing. It's more like combo based, um, getting your swings in lots of different, uh, weapons and armor and stuff that you're collecting and they all have like ratings obviously that um as you level up you can get you know uh you know like com- the classic like common uncommon rare epic legendary kind of uh weapon thing going on so it it definitely fuels a more uh games as a service model which is obviously what they're going towards as opposed to kind of the linear narrative thing mm-hmm. um but i really like it it's fun i kind of some of the worst parts about Assassin's Creed is the storylines I find. <laughs> I yeah. find it way more fun to just 100%. run around in the world and be an assassin, which in past games you had some of that, but it's pretty limited. But in this game, that's basically the whole game. It's a giant open world game. And so you just run around to be an assassin, which is the only thing cool. I actually care about. I've actually done yeah. very little of the storyline, despite logging, I think, like 80 hours in it or something like oh, well. that, because I just yeah. don't care. I just want to. Yeah run around and assassinate people and the game yeah. lets me do that so that's cool nice yeah i, I, nice. I saw it was half off on steam this uh, past weekend i think and i was like ah hemming and hawing and like ah oh, should i pick it up uh, odyssey is going to be coming out right away and i think a lot of lo- like a lot of kids i i really had a fascination with like greek mythology when mm-hmm. i was younger so i'm kind of like ah, i don't know if i should dip into origins or waiting for the for the new one i'd probably uh, wait for i'd probably wait for odyssey at this point um mm-hmm. i think that odyssey from what i've seen is going to be very much an evolution of that game and it's going to have a bunch of stuff that i think is going to be better polished and kind of more well done mm-hmm. um they added a dialogue system in so you actually like choose what you're going to say in cutscenes, which is entirely right. new for assassin's creed mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. if anybody should actually care about that because i feel <laughs> like that's going to just be like you get to be a dick or a nice guy in this conversation and we'll see yeah. how much that actually affects story i can't imagine it'll actually affect it that much so I don't know how useful that is, but their post-launch thing, speaking of games as a service, is um, they're going to be releasing uh, uh, content kind of in episodes. So the storyline, they're going to have multiple storylines going, but they're going all going to really, sorry, release in overlapping, kind of like leapfrogging episodic way. Right. And kind of like a battle pass, one of these storylines is going to be free. So you are also, as a free player, air quotes because you pay 80 bucks to get it but you know you're going to be getting this free storyline and and you're going to get to play through that episodically but if you spend on a battle pass or whatever name they're going to give it uh you'll get also you know more stories and stuff like that too and then they're going to have like weekly challenges and like bosses that you have to go find and fight and and that's free content as well so yeah, I don't know. Like, I, if if you wanted to, if you wanted to jump into a new Assassin's Creed, I I, I wouldn't go back to Origins. I'd probably just get the okay. next one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we'll we'll talk about games of service a little bit later in the show. Uh, but Jasulo, um, obviously games of service, Rocket League with the new Rocket Pass. We we usually check in with you every few months to sort of be like, how's your Rocket League life? So so outside of the <laughs> the Rocket Pass that they've implemented, like. 
how are you finding your self as a rocket league player like like do you feel yourself improving because i know sometimes you feel like you i mean we all feel this with competitive games sometimes we kind of hit like these plateaus or like these peaks and we just kind of stay there for a bit until we hit this next thing in our game to sort of improve on so so we're, we're, how, how are you feeling as, as a rocket league player i feel pretty good uh i don't feel great because i am subscribed to the uh rocket league subreddit so i see all these impossible shots and moves in like the meta game where there's like oh like people are inventing moves and like naming them like oh this is a heel jump this is a wave dash and like they teach you how to do it like i discovered this reset off the roof off the up, upside down on the ball i'm like oh i don't have any of these skills and then you just see people try and put them into play in the, in the actual game and you're just like oh nice wave dash nice wave dash. <laughs> that's awesome so i'm like aware of what's going on but I don't have the skills mm. to actually do those things because I just don't have the time to practice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool though, that that game has been up for a while and, and there's still yeah. like a shifting and developing meta uh, around it, you know, even all, all these years since uh, release. So, so are they like, are they tweaking gameplay mechanics? Like, Oh, breaking is a little bit different and accelerating is a little bit different or, or like what's happening there. There was an update recently, which some people were not happy about because it changed the way uh, dribbling works. And I don't know if they've updated that because, again, I don't play often enough. But they do they do do little tweaks because I do remember there was a there was a, an update like maybe a year ago. And I immediately noticed like 30 seconds into the game. I'm like, oh, what do they do? To this? What do they do? Because my drifting was all different. Yeah. And so they, they do update the mechanics mm. slightly. OK, cool. That's good to hear. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll check back with you in like three to four months and see, see where you're at in terms of Rocket League and see, see like, oh yeah. yeah, I'm just wave dashing like crazy and just dunking on fools. Yeah, I wish. Um, so I've been dabbling with a bunch of stuff. Uh, Hollow Knight is really cool. I, I, I want to get a little bit further in that game before I talk about it. Uh, played a bunch of Dota yesterday, which mixed bag, but overall was okay. Uh, but I've really been digging uh, Marvel's Spider-Man uh, on the PlayStation, uh, which comes from Insomniac Games. Um, kind of their follow-up to, um, oh my god, what was that uh, rail-grinding sort of third-person shooter? Sunset Overdrive? Sunset Overdrive, yeah. Um, and I think I remember at the time, everyone was just like, oh, this would be a great Spider-Man game. Um, or a great, like, jet-set radio game. Uh, but anyways, mm-hmm. Spider-Man's great. Ted and I talked about it a bunch last week, um, so you can check out my thoughts on, on last week's episode. The one thing that I'll, that I'll say, though, is I've gotten to sort of like the mid-to-late game in terms of the story. So the world dramatically tra- changes, which is really cool. Um, and, and it kind of throws a, a, an interesting twist on everything that you're doing in the game. Uh, but what I will say is that I was really disappointed in basically finding out as I get got to the mid to late game that, that um, the game was essentially spoiled by its trailers. Like uh, one of the E3 demos, I think, kind of showcased a whole mm-hmm. bunch of the villains um in in this one set piece um and that was kind of really really disappointing because like it was just you know it was a huge reveal um and, and so i was i was kind of let down by that um but but it kind of got me thinking a lot about like uh twitch as well because the day the game released i can't remember i was looking on twitch for something uh, maybe just one of my friends was streaming or, or, or what have you and the first like autoplay uh stream front page of twitch was someone playing Marvel Spider-Man day of release. And they were at a point in the story where there was like a huge turn for a character, like massive spoilers. Um, and it kind of got me thinking about 
how narrative games are. I, I don't know. It, it's just like hard to put one of those out now because of YouTube videos and walkthrough videos and Twitch streamers. And uh, I was a little bit grumpy because I like literally had just started the game and I'm like, oh, great. Now I know what yeah. fucking happens like halfway into the game. Um, or have any of you had like something like that spoiled for you because of a YouTube video or a Twitch stream? Um, and did you care all that much? I've never had anything spoiled for me just because like if I really want to play a game, I'm probably not going to watch it. Um, but again, for in your case, it was on front page. Yeah, like yeah. It was almost like, on front page autoplay. And I was just like, oh, man, really? Which is crazy. Yeah. So I'm wondering like what... <laughs> Because essentially, someone can play like a game vicariously through a Twitch streamer, mm. and they don't have to purchase anything. Like they can just see the entire game, mm-hmm. which is yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like the workaround for that, like yeah. how that would even be avoidable. I don't know. David, have you had anything like that? Yeah, not really. I'm kind of the same way. Where um, either I either I don't really care because I mean, with a lot of games like that, uh, I I kind of touched on that a bit with Assassin's Creed, but with me, it it, it really is kind of more about the journey. I, you mm-hmm. know, the, the storyline stuff is a little bit more kind of flavor on top, but I really am just there to kind of like play with the game and play with the toy of the game and whatever that is. Right. So if it was a Spider-Man game and I, I have some, I've watched some let's plays cause I don't have a PS4, so I have to live vicariously through uh, mm-hmm. other people <laughs> with it. And, but if I was playing Spider-Man, I mean, I would, I would literally just be like swinging from one end of Manhattan to the other back and forth. That's basically right, right. all I would be doing. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and and nice. uh, like Ted said, I mean, if, if it is something where I, I really do genuinely care about, you know, these key story details, I'll just go on blackout. Like, I, I mm-hmm. won't even go to Twitch. I won't even go to YouTube yep. or anything like that. It is silly that they just have it auto playing on the front. But I mean, <laughs> that that's probably like it's an accident, right? Like, yeah, but at the I, same I really time, blame Twitch, but like they should be a little bit more aware. Yeah, it's like they should have like this contains spoilers or something, and then you click on it, mm-hmm. and then it goes to it. Or that that would be an ideal fix. Um, I actually personally on my own stream have kind of moved away from streaming narrative stuff because um, I I just find like I'm not paying as close attention to the story as I would like because I'm broadcasting and people are kind of coming in and out of the broadcast, so they're like, oh, what's happening now? Or they haven't seen everything, and it's just I don't know. I I prefer playing more match based stuff or you know things that are more gameplay centric uh just a little what about you have you had anything sort of spoiled for you that that you're a little bit grumpy about no not really uh video games don't most narrative video games i don't really care about there's some games that i'd be annoyed to be spoiled by like let's say the last of us i don't want to know anything about that mm-hmm. but for the most part i'm the kind of person who when they play video games i'm just like skipping the dialogue like skip 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 <laughs> next 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 i'm barely even reading it yeah. so narrative games uh, i don't know i just i don't have the patience or the attention span for them most of the time mm-hmm. That's fair. So I'm not really worried about online spoilers. Yeah. It's it's interesting how tastes change. And I think we might have talked about this on, on a show, you know, a, a while back. But I, I definitely remember growing up, uh, like, I was all about story. It was just like, yeah, give me, give me those deep RPGs. Tell me Commander <laughs> Shepard's story and, like, what's going on with Shepard and Liara. Um, and, <laughs> you, you know, just, like, all, all of that stuff, you know, just whether it was a Final Fantasy game or, or what have you. But it's interesting how the industry has shifted towards match-based stuff, towards competitive stuff, towards online stuff, uh, where you tell your story. You're out there with your friends, uh, doing raids in Destiny, uh, playing World of Warcraft, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, and it's interesting how my sh- tastes have shifted that way, and I think a lot of ours have as well. I don't know, has, has anyone else sort of felt that as, as they've grown up or as the in- industry mm-hmm. has changed? Totally. Like, I used to 
be all in like Final Fantasy. Like I would play all these long form games. And I mean, that this is back when online gaming like wasn't even a thing. Um, but I don't. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't really know what shifted. I think it's more like quick. It's like quick content, basically. Mm-hmm. Like it's like you're playing a CS match and, you know, rounds are really snappy. They're really quick. Um, I don't know. And just like being online, I, like it's always a competition against someone else. That's like the biggest thing for me is just like outplaying someone, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess, in a game. Yeah. So. I guess I there, there's real stakes there, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, David, how do you feel? Yeah, I think um, at least from our four perspectives, it does have something to do with with just getting older. Like we just don't mm-hmm. have the time to drop like in a weekend, you know, a hundred hours into a game or something like that, right? We just don't have mm-hmm. we just don't have the time for that. And so with those multiplayer games, um, both for um, for playing and for watching, it's easier to kind of jump in and out of those because you can just play, you know, that's one of the reasons I've probably stuck around with Rainbow Six so much. Um, whereas it's taken me a year to play through this main story of Assassin's Creed is because it, I have to sit down and I have to play the game and I have to get through the story. Whereas with Rainbow Six, you know, somebody can send me a message and be like, hey, you want to you want to just like jump on for a couple matches and I can just spend, mm-hmm. you know, like 30 minutes playing. And that experience is roughly the same as if I spent five hours playing the game mm-hmm. no i i agree i used to like fable i <laughs> that was the game that i just i was into it i was reading everything and then mass effects 2 i was so in, i was so into the dialogue but which dialogue options are the best reading all the ex- which one's extra gonna materials <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and now now i just i can't even i just can't read dialogue in games i just hate it <laughs> so much I, I missed the mass effect do mass effect two days of trying to min max your romance <laughs> right <laughs> try and get everyone up to that level and then just yep but fable for me i spent a lot of time in fable because yeah. i was that was when i was working uh a job that i traveled a lot and so i would take my xbox mm-hmm. with me and when i was in hotel rooms i'd just be playing fable mm-hmm. so good times good times Anyways, lamenting the, uh, the, the, the death of uh, narrative games in all our lives, uh, let, let's maybe move into the news. Uh, and first up, Alan Wake, which is definitely narrative-focused, uh, uh, but had an interesting take on uh, survival, action, combat-y stuff. It, 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 Alan Wake was really interesting because it did tell its story sort of like a television show. And in that there were sort of very set episodes as you went through, you know, there'd be like a start credits, you know, you'd have an act and then there would be credits at the, at the end of that. And then like, they'd even do like a previously on Alan Wake, uh, which was kind of an odd choice, but, but it was, it it was interesting. It was kind of a throwback to um, a lot of things like Twilight Zone or Hitchcock or or what have you. Um, But uh, making the, the obvious jump, Alan Wake is going to be coming to television. Uh, So it was announced that uh, they're going to be doing a live action series. Uh, with uh, showrunner Peter Calloway, who did Cloak and Dagger and Legion, uh, Remedy, uh, the the folks, the devs behind Alan Wake, uh, they're going to be on uh, on board with the project as well. Uh, so Contradiction Films is going to be doing this, uh, and Sam Lake, who was the game's creator, is going to be the executive producer. So uh, I don't know if anyone else uh, played some Alan Wake, but what do we think about this news? I think I installed it on my computer just to test to see. It was like one of those, I was one of the, like, I, as a game I had a Steam code for, and then I like installed it just trying to see if 
my graphics card was working the way I wanted it right, to, but right. I never played it. No. Uh, but what do you think about them adapting it to TV? I think that's cool. I hope it works out well. Like, I'm hoping this works out well. I hope the Witcher series works out well. They signed Henry Cavill, so, like, I'm optimistic. <laughs> but, you know, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, I think it's one of those wait-and-see wait, wait things. Video game adaptations always hit and miss. We all know, know what happened with the old Super Mario Brothers movie. Who knows? We'll just, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but speaking of Nintendo, uh, they had a direct this last week uh, where they, they had a whole bunch of uh, smaller announcements. Um, I guess the big stuff, they announced a new Luigi's Mansion game, uh, tentatively called Luigi's Mansion 3. Uh, some stuff for the 3DS. Uh, Katamari Damacy is getting a Switch remaster. Uh, they announced that these NES-style controllers are going to be coming to the Switch as well. Um, you know, for, for those of us that are millennials and, and are very nostalgic. Uh, game Freak is working on uh, a, a new title tentatively called Town. Uh, so I think they, they've done some Pokemon stuff in the past, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, CD Skylines is coming to Twitch. Civ, Civ 6 is coming to Switch. A whole bunch of Final Fantasy stuff is coming to Switch as well. Uh, 7, 9, 10, X2 remaster. Isabel from Animal Crossing is going to be in Smash. And a new Animal Crossing, I think that was probably the big announcement, is going to be coming to Switch in 2019. Um, so, folks, was there anything in this uh, Nintendo Direct that got anyone's attention? Uh, just so I know you're, you're, you're our big uh, Switch uh, evangelist. Uh, so what did you think about uh, some of these announcements? Civ 6 seems interesting. I mean, it depends on how the controls work. If I can use touch controls, that'd be nice. But if I have to use, like, the controllers, it'd be kind of annoying. Because mm-hmm. that's a game I could see myself putting several hours into, just yeah. in bed. I don't know. It's a lot of... It's a lot of wait and see. Like for the for their first party games for sure. Like excited for that. But for the third party games, it's always like, is the frame rate gonna be worse? Is the controls mm-hmm. are the controls gonna be any good? Like I just have to wait and see. I don't wanna get yeah. too excited. Especially with those very like PC centric ports like City right. Skylines and Civ Six. Yeah, I, exactly. I definitely agree. Um Ted, you have a switch as well, don't you? I do. I hardly play it though. Um I know my brother got it because of uh you wanted to get Zelda, um, which I've hardly really played either. So I'm not a, I'm not really a Twitch or I'm not a Twitch expert, a Switch expert. Um, but it's interesting to see all these all these ports that they're bringing uh, to Twitch and kind of like because Nintendo's always been very like inclusive with their titles. Like they're always like almost like in-house made uh, games and they're kind of like opening up to like all these all these kind of universal games that are already out there Yeah, a lot so. of third-party stuff it, it it almost harkens yeah, back to like like cool. the, the days of the the wii where they just like open the floodgate floodgates and uh hopefully they don't get as much shovelware as, as the wii did um <laughs> yeah. dave, dave what did you think about uh some of these announcements in this uh, nintendo direct um well i don't have a switch so uh the only thing that really kind of made me want to get a switch weirdly enough was luigi man luigi's mansion I think I, I always liked that game on the GameCube, so I think I'm just kind of nostalgic for nostalgic for that game. Right. Um, so that might be kind of <laughs> that might be kind of fun. I'm not gonna lie; those those NES controllers for the Switch they look silly. I don't <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, and and they don't have a uh, yeah, they don't have a um, a stick. Right, it's an actual D pad on there, yeah. which. It will be I I feel like that's one of those things that's gonna be super fun and nostalgic for about five and a half minutes and then you're gonna go <laughs> back to the regular Joy Cons. Yeah. Um 
I imagine they're launching those to coincide with the classic NES games that they're going to be bringing to their online service. Uh, So that was something that that I failed to mention. So September 18th, um, Nintendo's new online service for the Switch is going to launch. So that's going to have online play, uh, I think, 10 NES classic games at launch. Uh, Cloud saves for uh, for most games, not, not all. Um, and it's going to cost $4 US per month or $8 for three months or $20 for a year. So it's interesting. I've also heard some weird stuff about how, like, if your Switch doesn't check in with the online service every week, you'll lose access to, like, those NES Classic games. Um, and again, the fact that that they don't have, like, a whole virtual shop uh, with the launch of, of their online service is kind of odd. Yeah, because you and I and, and you and I have talked about this a lot about how it seems with every Nintendo console, people just have—I don't want to say have to, but but they basically you can't carry over purchases from past uh, Nintendo consoles. So it's just like, oh, I bought Super Mario Brothers three, and now I have to rebuy it um, on on this new platform. So it's interesting that they haven't rolled out like their whole catalog. And again, it's a very limited number of NES classics right at launch. And it's sort of unclear about whether this um, this subscription to their online service will give you access to, to you know stuff in the future. I imagine it would, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you know, sorry, just a quick question. Do you know if those NES Classic games you get for free when you pay the subscription or do you have to like buy those yes. separately on top of yes. the subscription? No, you get access to, to them. But again, it's, it's super limited at, at the start. Yeah. I don't know. Nintendo's super weird about all their online stuff. I don't know what their deal is. The cloud saves being only some of them, and then you you losing the cloud saves, and then them just being oh, they're just so weird with the online stuff. It's I don't understand what they're trying to do. I never do, but they always make <laughs> money, so they must know what they're doing. Like I'm no professional. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Did anyone else have any thoughts about the Switch online stuff? It's nice and cheap. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Right. Like relatively, you know, compared to the other online services, it is really cheap i mean what is what mm. is xbox live like 20 bucks a month kind of a thing mm. like mm. or something like that but yeah i agree nintendo is just so weird with mm. all of the online stuff that they do they just i don't know where their head is at but they have mm. all the ips everybody wants to play so everybody will just kind of deal with their bullshit <laughs> to yeah. get it so sorry I'm, I'm looking at this again and i want to correct myself there, there's gonna be 20 nes games at launch um and it looks like they're gonna add three every month afterwards um, so at launch, you're going to get a bunch of other, like the, you know, Super Mario Brothers stuff, Dr. Mario, Double Dragon, Tecmo Bowl, Excite Bike, that kind of stuff. Um, and, then, and then down the road, there's stuff like Metroid and uh, Ninja Gaiden and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting. I don't necessarily know if that's going to be super exciting at launch, um, but uh, ho- hopefully they sort of expand that pool of games as, as they go along and, and also offer some of those those. Uh, uh what's the word um virtual console games um from maybe like gamecube or Wii um further down the road as well um anyways i was mentioning spider-man earlier um and this is kind of an interesting story kind of a bit of a quirky story uh with a bit of a twist but um so it turns out that there was a wedding proposal uh hidden in marvel spider-man uh which is which just launched this month uh, so basically that this fellow Tyler Schultz sent a tweet to Insomniac Games saying, Hey, I want to propose to my girlfriend. And I think it'd be really cool to hide, hide this in the game. So when the game launched, there was like this, uh, billboard marquee on like a cinema in the game that said like, Maddie, will you marry me? Um, and <laughs> since the game launched, you know, people kind of found this and were kind of pretty excited about it. Uh, but it turns out they split up, you know, quite a few weeks ago and 
Uh, this guy went online, said, hey, yeah, we split up. This kind of sucks. Um, but in, in, in the pre- preceding days, it kind of got really muddled because, you know, they, the, this guy said like, oh, uh, she left me to, quote, go with my brother. Um, and then, P- uh, you know, obviously press reached out to her and was like, hey, what's up with this? And she's like, oh, you know, I, I didn't leave him for his brother. You know, we're just friends. And of, the Internet being the Internet, of course, people basically ganged up on her online, started to harass her. Um, and this whole thing has been kind of a mess, but you all had a chance to sort of look at this, uh, story. Um, I don't know. What what did people think? David, do you you have any thoughts on, uh, what happened here with, uh, Spider-Man and, and, uh, this, this weird, uh, wedding proposal thing that that's gone, gone awry? If it wasn't so sad, it would just be extremely funny, but it, it is, it is kind of sad. Like he, like, this is just, this is just two people on very different wavelengths about mm-hmm. <laughs> about first their relationship and like what is appropriate in their relationship like she came out and said like look even if we were still together this isn't how i would have wanted to be proposed <laughs> mm-hmm. uh to um so that kind of that kind of sucks they both the two of them like it, it it should be said seem to be kind of handling this in a normal human reasonable kind of way they're both just yeah. like, yeah, th- this was this was just kind of awkward. And yeah, he has a perspective on how the relationship ended and she has a perspective on how it ended. But that's literally every relationship ever. So <laughs> you don't say, you, you know, like <laughs> these two people who broke up had different views and what the relationship was. No way. Um, so, yeah, I and of course, the Internet just being what it be um people just gang up on her like just like leave her alone leave him alone this was just he he went out on a limb and it super didn't work out and just just let it let it die like the the story here is that insomniac tried to do a really cool thing and they did do a cool thing and that was that was really nice of them like they didn't have to do Mm. that i think that that is super cool that they wanted to help this guy out you know and you know, this game is full of all kinds of different levels of Easter eggs and references and stuff like that. And it's cool that there is one that is this real life thing. Sucks mm. that it didn't work out, but, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the way life goes anyway. So, you know. Yeah, for sure. Chisilla, you just moved in with your partner. Would you uh, <laughs> yeah. propose to them in a video game? <laughs> no, she'd kill me for sure. <laughs> it's just, it's, I mean, for certain people, that would be great. Um, my sister, when she was with, when she, with her, she's married now, but when she first started dating her now husband, they played a lot of Minecraft together on a server and all that kind of stuff. So if he had proposed on a server on Minecraft, that might've worked. Mm -hmm. This is like personal to them, but this one, eh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like she's that into it. It just seems like they broke up beforehand. It also seems like way too public. Like anytime you see like those big. Uh, productions, those big public like displays of affection and proposals. It's just like, what are you doing? Because like, I, and I've also seen a lot of critiques about like how it's very unfair for the person being proposed to, whether it be a man or a woman in that fashion, like at a big sporting event or whatever, because all of a sudden all this pressure's on them. And it's like, if they say no, like what does that make them look like? Right. And like, yeah. what if they weren't ready for that? Or if it catches them off guard or so they're almost like bullied into saying yes. Right. As just, being caught in that situation. Um, Ted, I don't know. Do you have, do you have any thoughts on this? No, same. Like that's, that's something that blows my mind every time I hear or see something where people propose in like this huge, like social gathering. It's like, imagine the anxiety of proposing and then adding on just Mm -hmm. like, 
the shame that could happen <laughs> if you said no, or like if things just went moderately yeah. wrong. Like, I don't know. I never understand things like just, that. Just be normal and like um, text your partner and be like, yo, should we get married? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm also kind of surprised, like, insomniac was just like yeah we'll 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 do this like we'll put this request of you asking your partner if they want to marry you in the mm-hmm. game like think of all the other shit that people are gonna like oh my god they'll they'll do that like <laughs> oh god just, yeah like, true enough don't make that a yeah. thing like don't just don't even that's like, a bad precedent entertain that notion yeah anyways let's uh speaking of sort of bad precedents um you know uh dr disrespect has been a controversial twitch streamer over over the last couple of years um we've talked about him on the show in the past um he's you know he sort of embodies this like uh you know ultra masculine kind of toxic like pro gamer persona uh on his stream that that's garnered him quite a large large following um there's a big thing earlier this year where he came out on stream and sort of admitted to being unfaithful to his partner and he took some time off so that they were work through family stuff um, but anyway, so he's, he's, like I said, he's, he's garnered a huge following. He's doing quite well for himself on, on, on Twitch, Re- regardless of, of him being controversial or, or what you think of Dr. Disrespect, whether you love him, whether you hate him. Um, in the past week, there, there was a, a, a wild incident where, uh, he had to end his stream very abruptly, uh, because someone shot at his house, um, you know, where he and his family were, 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 were at while, you know, he was streaming and his family was in the house. Um, so there's a clip of him coming back on stream and obviously being very, very angry and very upset and, and, and cursing up a storm. Uh, but yeah, so, so police in San Diego are, uh, are obviously investigating. They're not sure if it was, a uh, an, an actual gun or if it was a BB gun. Uh, but it sounds like there was one incident where they shot at the house may, may not have hit anything, but then, uh, the second time they actually did strike, uh, the upstairs of the house. Um, so, I mean, with public personalities, like I remember hearing a story, a couple maybe last year or sometime where like two prominent YouTubers had someone drive to their home, threaten them and then had like a armed standoff with police. And I think they ended up killing themselves. Yeah. That was, uh, oh, that was Gavin Free and Meg Turney. Right. Thank, thanks David. Yeah. 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 So, That's so, crazy. So, so anyways, like there's this, I don't want to say a growing trend, but like obviously a worry with a lot of these public personas on Twitch or YouTube or Instagram, what have you is, uh, you know, f- uh, fans who are either obsessive or hateful or, you know, w- what have you finding where they live and carrying out something like this. Um, so, so I don't know, what do we think about this story? Uh, David, you kind of knew about, about the YouTube stuff, but, um, what, what do you, what do you just think about this, this, this whole quagmire? I mean, yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever your personal feelings for Dr. Disrespect and his performances are, I mean, like no one deserves to feel unsafe in their home or like, you mm. know, that some, that they might get shot like BB gun or otherwise it doesn't matter. Like having, it would be awkward enough and uncomfortable enough to have somebody just like knock on your door and say, Hey, I'm a fan. It's like, okay, no, like this is, this is my home. This is my personal space. You know, like meet me at conventions, meet me at signings, whatever, but like, don't like, don't come to my house kind of a thing. Yeah. Like that's, that's inappropriate. A, that alone is inappropriate to have somebody actually like come out and and shoot at your house i mean that's terrifying i mean like i i i did watch the little clip of him uh you know coming back from checking out to see what had happened and and the dude is rattled and it, yeah. honestly i think he handled it a bit better than i would have like <laughs> realizing that somebody had shot at my house i i'd be completely flipping out um with the 
with the Gavin Free and, and Meg Turney thing, because uh, both of them are kind of YouTube personalities that became fa- famous independently and are now together and living together. Um, and what happened there is that it was this male fan who was apparently in love with Meg Turney and came to the house in order to kill Gavin. Like that was what right. the thing was. And they, uh, they were in the house and they hid in a closet while he walked around the house and shot the gun a couple times and then went outside. And then, yeah, he ended up uh, killing himself when police arrived, which is, I, I couldn't imagine, could not possibly imagine being in a situation like that. And the same here, like now this has not happened once with Dr. Disrespect, but it's happened twice. And so like, what's he thinking now? He's like, okay, well, what about the third time? Right? Yeah. Like, when is that coming? Because that very likely is coming the third time his house gets shot at it shot at it's a trend now which is terrifying yeah. like i that i guess is going to be one of the risks of becoming famous not that i'm trying to like victim blame or anything here but like the larger your pool of fans are the more likely that one of them is crazy basically and and so you got to do whatever i mean i guess when you become that famous it just becomes harder and harder to you know keep your location a secret and and not mm-hmm. be super public mm-hmm. about that even on this even on this podcast, like we've talked about, like when Ted announced he, you know, got a new place, I said, oh, where's that? And John was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you just, you just yeah. don't, you just don't say where you are. Like even, you know, saying that like we're in Vancouver, like Vancouver's big enough, I guess. But what if you don't live in that big a town, right? You mm-hmm, know, and, right. and somebody could could find you. I mean, it's... You never know who's listening. Exactly. You never know. And it's, you know... And the problem is, is like, there's so many people that watch Dr. Disrespect. It's like, how do you, how do you stop that from happening? How do you keep your location a secret and stay safe? I mean, it's not fair to say, oh, well then just don't stream, you know, cause that's, that's not fair. Like they should, we should be, you know, able to stream to thousands of people and not, you know, feel like unsafe about yeah. that. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you solve it. I don't know how you change it. I feel, I feel bad for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like you were saying, it's, it's just one of those things where the larger your audience gets it, and no matter how careful you are, there, there will be folks because our lives are at a point where we are just online. Like that, that is it. Like our lives are online at this point. And regardless of how safe we want to be with our information, there is, there is some individuals out there that will figure out a way to get that information right um just a little i don't know did you have any thoughts on, on on this or just like this trend of of people trying to track down the celebs that they are obsessed with it's scary uh just the obsession with celebrity and just culture in general it's just it's unhealthy but mm-hmm. there's certain people who just they just feel so connected to these people that they watch online like i watch i have subscribed to some people on youtube and i i won't say i feel connected to them but i'm like i feel when i see them outside of that medium i'm like oh snap i feel like i know that person but you don't actually know these people so for you to show up to their house which is insane i don't like when people i know show up to my house without letting me know now (laughs) i'm not even famous yeah. I don't like when my parents show up unannounced. So <laughs> I can imagine how terrified it is for <laughs> them to have people show up who are trying to do them harm. So yeah, I, I get yeah. it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ted, just that like celebrity culture mixed with anonymity. That's the internet. Like you can get some pretty fucked up situations, like having your house shot at. Um, and again, like Dave said, like, I don't know how you avoid that other than like, having a designated stream 
space. Like if you could afford it somewhere else, like a space you can rent or just like somewhere that isn't your house, maybe kind of like keep it separate. But like, I mean, shit, even Dr. Disrespect, like he's like, he's making a lot of money and he's still doing it from home. Like it's, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I honestly don't know how it's avoidable. Like the internet just shit like that happens now. Mm -hmm. That's just a thing that happens. Um, there, there's this great piece that was actually written last year. Um, it it kind of highlighted a, an incident with streamer Elohim, uh, where a fan showed up at their door who like flew like across an ocean and just like from Singapore and just literally showed up at his door. Um, so this piece is called, uh, when fans take their love for Twitch streamers too far. Um, and that's over at Kotaku if people want to check that out. But yeah, it's just a really interesting breakdown of, of fan obsession, which is kind of what we're talking about here. But again, hopefully, uh, Dr. Disrespect and his family are, are, are doing okay. Um, and obviously I I imagine they're going to take the precautions that they need to. Um, with with the authorities there, not to like derail everything, but like his hair, oh, shit. <laughs> he has got some nice hair. <laughs> I got Google this now. Anyways, definitely has some luscious locks. Let's talk micro transactions because it, it wouldn't be a Shelf Games podcast unless we talk about monetization uh, because we, you know that's that's what I'm, I'm obsessed with um, and how games make money. Um, so NBA 2K19 just came out and it has been making headlines because of microtransactions uh but uh from everything that i'm hearing it's not as bad as nba 2k18 um you know with the (laughs) whole haircut controversy thing where you had to like pay for a haircut before you could even see what it would look like on your character but saying it's quote unquote not as bad is probably um kind of damning in and of itself uh so it sounds like with with nba 2k19 uh, their virtual currency is back and you really have to utilize it for almost anything. Cause like if you're playing the, uh, the, my player mode where you're kind of working your player up from, from the minors to the majors, uh, you start as like a 60 rated player, which really sucks. And they really kind of egg you on to be like, well, you could just, uh, spend a little virtual currency and, uh, get your stats up. Uh, but really it, it sounds like virtual currency is used for almost everything, um, in, in the game. Um, and, and I imagine that's upsetting a lot of fans. So just so you, you have some experience with, with the 2k franchise and I, I know you, you've been really turned off, uh, by some of the microtransaction stuff in some of those games. Uh, so, so can you, can you rehash some of your experiences and perhaps what you think about, uh, what's going on with this latest NBA 2k19? My issue is just, if I pay $60 for the game, I shouldn't have to spend like another $60 just to be, you know, have my character be somewhat usable. You know what I mean? It's just. I remember when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, I'd play this, I'd play 2K games and I, you know, you just, you'd create a character and you'd go through a seasons, you'd go from a rookie and you'd work your way up and then you become the best player, MVP, da 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 go through the whole thing, win championships, and it was so much fun. And this is before my story mode. And then later on, uh, they started adding microtransactions, which at first wasn't a big deal, but now it's a thing where just even like moving through the map of the game it's like oh you should spend some virtual currency to buy a car that will move you through the map quicker and it's like ah (laughs) money they want money for everything it just drives me nuts everything literally everything oh you want you want to boost your stats you gotta buy some gatorade with real money with actual money like (laughs) unbelievable so, so I think the, the the stuff we've talked about in the past is, or at least where I f- I feel a lot of us kind of come down is we don't really mind it when we're spending money on cosmetic stuff in games. Um, we, we we've talked about loot boxes kind of being somewhat predatory, and a lot of governments are kind of starting to crack down on 
on uh loot boxes as well um but uh but yeah i mean i mean i i gripe sometimes about you know uh the cosmetic stuff in dota i i feel like the stuff in rainbow six siege is fine even though it's a little bit on the pricey side um david though you've come on the show and and admitted uh, to, to to all of our listeners that you've created loot boxes i have you are the enemy i have i even designed or i was working on a game that didn't have loot boxes and i added them oh my god <laughs> i'm part of the problem uh, i mean obviously monetization in development is a complex issue you know we make a lot of jokes but uh it, it's it's obviously the trend moving towards live games games of service uh, because it is the way to make money and it has proven very profitable um, and, and not just profitable, but sustainable uh, for a lot of studios. And, and t- to be frank, there are even studios who try and adopt these models that go under because the industry is changing at such a, a, a rapid rate that if you don't adapt to these new styles of monetization, you can be left in the lurch or mm-hmm. uh, having to lay people off or you know, you know, whatever, um, or shutter studios. Um, so, so so give us the, I guess the devil's advocate, uh, a perspective on, on microtransactions and maybe your thoughts on what 2k is doing. So in general, and I think that this has been touched on, um, on the podcast before. And if it hasn't, I'm sure you guys have, have heard this, are this argument for having this sort of game, live games as a service, sort of this long tail of monetization on games because of the rising cost of game development. Mm-hmm. that's kind of in general and like that is the argument it is extremely expensive to make games in the traditional model of making games um where you pay 60 bucks and that's it and it's this complete experience um from the studio side of that you basically spend four or five years hemorrhaging money and hope that at the end of that you make that money back plus profit plus enough to maybe make another game which is extremely risky like extremely risky to have absolutely no profit coming in for five years or whatever while you're making a game and coming back in. So what these long tails are trying to do is they're trying to mitigate that risk so that you're not literally betting the company on a game release every single time because, I mean, you can release a fantastic game. There's tons of games we've seen throughout the years that are really, really great games, but people just didn't buy it for for any number of reasons. People just didn't buy it and, you know, the company kind of goes under or gets bought by ea or whatever you know because they have a good ip but it just didn't work out um from what i'm seeing in 2k19 though and what you need to do in with uh mobile free-to-play games like what i work in mobile free-to-play games so you're not paying any money up front the only money that's coming in is through these microtransactions um and that that is a pretty big sticking point for a lot of people because when you pay the money up front, you expect a certain amount of content. And I think the players have a right to expect a certain amount of content and not feel like they're being nickel and dimed constantly. But um, kind of like one of the cardinal rule of, of free-to-play um, monetization and transactions and something that we always keep in mind is that purchasing absolutely needs to feel like the best thing ever. Right. Like you, you should never, ever, ever make a purchase and then feel bad about it. That's mm-hmm. not like, cause then you'll never make another purchase. Our goal is to have people making lots of purchases. If you make a purchase and it feels like shit then they're not going to make another purchase. And so with 2k19, what it sounds like is people are getting basically shoved into a corner by a bully 
and says, give me your lunch money and you have to in order to get out the corner and play the game again, you know, and, and that's not, you know, that's, that's not a good feeling experience, <laughs> right? I, as, as a developer, you want to be building up player trust and you want to, um, you want to be building up player trust and you want people to feel good about what they're doing in this game. Um, I do have a question. I haven't played 2K, but I have a question. Are there two currencies or is there just the one currency that you're paying real money for? You can earn virtual currency through the game or you can purchase it. Now, to earn virtual currency, like technically you could play the game and earn. Like, I don't know how many years it would take you to earn enough currency to buy virtual <laughs> currency to buy everything in the game. But like it's just it's just a hit. It's a, it's a high wall. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to take a lot of time to grind out to get all that stuff. And your character is not going to be any good yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. And it's going to take you a while. You're going to go through several seasons before your character is even feasible. Right. So they, they so they they offer you, hey, just buy the virtual currency and then you can up your player's ratings and then you'll actually start having fun and not losing every game. So, <laughs> yeah, typically in a free-to-play game, you'll have two currencies. You'll have your soft currency, what we refer to as your soft currency, whatever that might be, that you can earn through gameplay. And then you'll have your hard currency that you actually spend real money on. The fact that it's one currency and the fact that that grind is so steep, uh, AAA, AAA studios are kind of coming into this free-to-play thing late. Mobile games have been doing this for years and mobile, excuse me, mobile games and mobile game studios have kind of developed a lot of those practices so that like, yes, we're going to need you to spend a little bit of money as you play, but it's not going to, first, it's not going to be as extreme a grind. You're going to have some kind of option. Um to go forward you basically never want a player to feel like they're like i said backed into a corner like they have nothing that they're able to do because you want players to play the game there should always be stuff for them to do but i don't know like even even the presentation of some of these microtransactions i'm looking at like i like i'm just looking at the pictures on this article um but like the first picture in the article is like your player staring up at like a wheel of fortune style wheel like hand hands together like praying for a good result it's like come on man i don't want to watch my character beg a wheel for a good spin like that doesn't feel good like even just like everything about your transaction down to the presentation needs to feel like you are doing the coolest and best thing that you can be doing right now and then after the fact needs to have some kind of inherent value to you and Mm -hmm. what that value is is going to is going to depend is going to be different game to game. And like, so in the mobile space, we do tons of AB testing. Uh, during soft launch, we do tons of testing and we try to find like what players are willing to spend first and what players want to spend money on. And like, what, like, where is the value in our game for players? Like, what, right. what do they want and what do, what are they happy to spend money on and willing to spend money on? And that's kind of what you focus in on. It sounds like 2K19 isn't doing that because. They're asking for money for all kinds of things that players don't want to have to spend money on, but then they put the roadblock in and make you spend money on it anyways. Like you need to, if players are not willing to spend money on a car that makes you move faster and, and, and aren't you doing that and they're complaining about doing that, maybe make that easier. Maybe put something somewhere else and (laughs) and make it feel like, like when I make a purchase that I am gaining some kind of good inherent value from that. Not that I have to, (laughs) something that's extra, something that's more. It, it, it's it's interesting because uh, I, I think also one of the biggest qualms, and, and and like you you said, David, like 
a lot of AAA games are coming to this monetization model really late. Um, and they're still asking for a large essential uh, deposit or down payment up front with that $60 US price tag, um, if not more, you know, if you're getting a collector's edition or, you know, season pass and, and what have you. So it does feel weird to nickel and dime players after that, that first initial buy-in. Um, yeah, again, I think that's why I don't necessarily mind spending money in something like a Dota 2. Again, it'll be interesting to see what happens with stuff like Artifact, which which is, you know, their their upcoming card game where it's going to be very much based on stuff like Magic the Gathering, where you are buying uh, packs of cards, but they're going to allow you to trade those cards for Steam uh, credit on its marketplace, you know, so so you there will be some sort of built-in value there. Um, but, but, but again, it's, it's just a... <laughs> It seems like a lot of studios or a lot of publishers are sort of making the wrong, wrong decisions when it comes to monetization. Like, obviously, we talked a lot about Battlefront 2 and loot boxes um, and sort of how EA had this massive pivot. And they're just like, yo, fuck loot boxes. We don't give a shit about that anymore. But, you know, all within a span of like six months. Uh, Ted, do you have any feelings on all of this? No, I think Dave kind of encapsulated everything. that I would want to say and more. Um, one question I, I did have for you, Dave, and I don't know if you can divulge this at all, but like, is there uh, is there a trend uh, that you see that people um, are there things that people prefer to spend their money on? And like, like in a mobile game, you know, are they are they feeling good about a certain kind of purchase? Like, are you seeing more in certain areas, or is it just like kind of a blanket, like all cosmetics? Yeah, because especially it... in mobile games, there there are a lot of games that actually if I'm not mistaken, sort of not, not necessarily block your progress, but it's kind of like, Hey, you've kind of used up all your time for today. You can either watch an ad or you can spend currency and then play some more or come back tomorrow after this timer. So those, um, that, that's referred to as an energy mechanic or like you, you have a certain amount of energy and playing a mission or a game or whatever takes some of that energy in it. Obviously it will, your energy will fill up over time or you can spend a little bit of money in order to get your max energy. Um, the way that a lot that there's is the argument for it is that you don't want players to quote unquote gorge themselves on your game and get kind of burnt out too quickly. Um, I don't know that I always agree with that. I think that if a player wants to play the game, let them play the game. Um, but that isn't where a lot of that isn't really where a lot of um, the monetization is because in a lot of games um, that are balanced kind of uh, well is that you'll have that energy mechanic, but you'll also have a lot of ways via mission rewards and other things in order to get that energy. So what that energy mechanic isn't doing, it's not asking you necessarily to spend money, although you can. Uh, what it's asking you to do is to really engage with the game and be maximizing your daily quests, which will give you some energy and finishing, you know, completing your missions, which will maybe will give you some steps towards rolling a crate, which will give you energy or level or experience, which will level you up, which will give you energy. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. those energy mechanics are trying to get you to interact with all these different aspects of the game in order to gain energy uh, in a way that is not necessarily monetizing. It's more about retention and getting mm-hmm. players engaging with all your with all the different aspects of the game. Um, as far as monetization, like what people are spending on, you know, it, it depends from game to game. A lot of games right now in mobile are 
card collectors, even if they don't necessarily look like they're card collectors. I would classify anything where you're collecting characters, collecting guns, collecting cards. Cars, I mean, not cards. But you'll be in <laughs> Asphalt 9, you're collecting cards of cars that you're smoshing together to make better car cards. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and stuff like that. And so, like, typically what you're, what you're spending a lot on is probably premium spins on a gotcha crate. Uh, right. which is going to be a lot of what you're going to see in um, Artifact. In the, mm-hmm. you know, Magic the Gathering is the original. The, o- the OG gotcha crate is card mm-hmm. packs, <laughs> physical card yep. packs. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, your biggest purchases, again, are probably going to be just for whatever your hard currency is um, in order to uh, make either premium gotcha spins or to just outright buy um you know you'll have lots of lots of promo packs in games typically every game or any every game should have a starter pack um which is just a real simple like $1 or $2 purchase um that will give you a big starting boost of some kind which again like your starter pack which is typically going to be your first purchase uh which we refer to as conversion if you are a player who has converted you have made a single purchase and so a starter pack should be this fucking amazing thing that you spend a dollar on of super low barrier to entry and it makes you feel great by just buying it mm-hmm. um, they've seen the light they've been converted yes because <laughs> anybody who has spent once will very likely spend again because now you right. have actually invested in the game and you'll get repeat purchases on that person it sounds right. like when I say it out loud, it does sound pretty manipulating, but like this is the psychology <laughs> of it. And um, right. but the thing is, is at the end of the game, at the end of the day, whatever, like, yes, you are you are maximizing your game and the mechanics in your game and all this stuff to get. To make a lot of money, you want players to be converting on your game, but at the same time, the way you convert players and the way you make the most money is with a happy fan base that sees value in your product and is ravenous to purchase more of it yeah you don't do that by fucking them (laughs) you do that by providing an awesome solid experience that they want to spend money on and that they see value in spending money on right happy players spend more money if you if you trick a player air quotes trick a player into spending money or force them into spending money they just feel bad it feels like you've you know when you spend on something and oh it's not what you wanted or it's not as powerful as you thought it was or you feel like you were coerced into buying it you feel as a player you feel embarrassed and kind of ashamed and kind of like oh mm. god oh fuck did i really just spend money on that oh, yeah. god damn. and like you're not going to spend money again you're probably gonna in free to play it's even more extreme because the free to play player will just close the app and uninstall it mm-hmm. right like they yeah. they didn't buy a disc they don't have a console that this game is being played on on mobile they'll just they'll just leave you so you can't be mean to people you can't you don't yeah. want to do that i think 2k the reason that they can kind of get away with a lot of this aggressive stuff is because they have got 60 dollars out of you out front and they know mm-hmm. that you have that physical disc and it's going to be staring at you on your shelf and <laughs> yeah. maybe you know like it's far more likely that you well, like they converted before they even played the game, right? So they're, yeah, they yeah. already have that investment in there. They're already so much more likely to stay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's that sunk cost fallacy where they're like, well, I already spent 60 bucks. I mean, I might as exactly. well keep going. Exactly, so. Um, so. So, Jasulo, with all that being said, are, are you going to pick up 2K19 or are you going to uh, be hands off on this one? It's like, it's such a fucking struggle for me because I love basketball. <laughs> basketball season is starting and I love playing these kind of games. 
I think a huge issue with 2K is that they don't have really good competition. Like mm-hmm. Live 19, which is EA's version. Uh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't heard too much about Live 19. I'm hoping they've made improvements, but the previous versions of Live were so bad that mm-hmm. it just wasn't even... They, I think they like recalled it. It was that bad. Right. And so I'm hoping that Live 19 has improvements so that 2K can start trying to like just improve just they just don't have competition so they think they yeah. can do whatever they want monopolies are bad in business and in games i guess yeah <laughs> in in 2k's yeah. defense i like like we said they this is just playing devil's advocate here but yeah. you know it's gotten a little bit better with 2k19 at least that's what this article is saying um like we said before, these AAA companies don't necessarily have that same experience that a mobile company do does. So they may have just thought with 2K18, it's like, oh, well, we can just, well, we just, we just put microtransactions in, right? That's what you do. You just put microtransactions in. That works. And everybody reacts this way and they go, oh, shit, okay. And so they take, <laughs> they take a few out. And so and the unfortunate thing is, is that microtransactions are, are here to stay. You know, unfortunately, yeah. if you're not a fan of microtransactions, you know, like this is going to be a thing now. So mm-hmm. it might be that 2K19 is not so great. It might be that 2K20 is not so great. But, you know, maybe they'll have kind of figured out some kind of balance there by you know in the in the next couple iterations because this is the way that they're going so they're gonna like they don't want unhappy players and what happens when you have all these unhappy players is somebody else is going to come in and make a basketball game that their selling point is it doesn't have microtransactions (laughs) yeah so yeah microtransactions are my biggest issue it's just the fact that everything in that game needs microtransactions to the point where it's like even uh improving your player costs mm-hmm. virtual currency which again you can grind for or you can just buy it i just don't like i don't mind cosmetic microtransactions and like extra content microtransactions but like just playing the game shouldn't cost me money yeah yeah for sure and i think like as a consumer it's it's our responsibility to make those decisions um with our wallets because i mean we can bitch about it as much as we want but if our cursor is over the add to cart button for a $99 pack, like we're telling that company that this is yeah. okay. And that this is, we want more of this. Yeah. Um, so we can bitch about all we want, but if we buy that or if we like become a part of that ecosystem, then it's just mm-hmm. like, well, you made your decision. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's rare, but we do see some of those, those larger backlashes that become more of a, like a, an online movement or, or a movement on social media that uh, developers have to respond to. It's like, I imagine EA was just like, oh, wow, like we are getting so much shit, so much bad press coverage of Battlefront 2 that we should maybe do something about this. But also, I imagine they were probably looking at the numbers too. I imagine they were looking at the numbers and being like, how many people are buying this? How many, how many people have returned the game? How many uh, microtransactions are we seeing? Because uh, I doubt if it was just backlash, I'm, I'm sure some suit somewhere was just like, we can weather this. We'll we'll just get through it and it'll be fine. But then numbers guy came and said, "Well, actually, maybe this is gonna be bad." I mean, to be to be frank, like if that that sort of if they hadn't made good with the community, that could obviously have affected any further installations in that franchise or any other other EA titles. Like I'm sure a lot of people at EA were freaking out about like we need to sort this because Anthem is coming out next year and we mm-hmm. cannot have this happen with Anthem um, uh, from from Bioware. Uh, but anyways. Interesting discussion. I, I think we've we've chatted about this uh, uh, long enough. And, and again, I, I appreciate David having you here, so we can get 
get the, uh, the, the other side of the coin for, from the developer's perspective. Um, as much as we like to give you shit about being the enemy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it's all just like having respect for your players. And if your players mm-hmm. don't feel like they're being respected, then you're doing something wrong. That's yeah, for all sure. there is. Yeah. Nice. Um, anyways, let's maybe move into a couple quick uh, listener questions uh, before we wrap up for the day. Uh, so Acolyte over on the Shelf Games Discord uh, sent us a question and they want to know, uh, what games combat mechanics did you enjoy the most? Um, so who wants to go first? Uh, what was there a game or a series whose combat mechanics you just absolutely loved? Jusulo. Um, I only re- like when I read this question, my first thought was, you know what? I used to love Assassin's Creed 2's Brotherhood combat mechanics. Yeah. Even though even though it was literally like one button counters, I just loved getting into a chain attack where you kill like 20 people in a row. It just made me laugh. I used to love mm-hmm. that. But yeah. if I was going to give a serious answer, it would be uh, Metal Gear Solid 5. Just okay. what they've done with all the just everything they've done with the game with the combat mechanics and the things you can do. You generally if you can think of it, you can probably do it. And mm-hmm. so I just never the story itself is pretty terrible, but the the game mechanics, the combat mechanics of that game are just, mm. I just, uh, one of the best. I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I remember we talked about this before and you were kind of saying how like you would unlock a new skill or a new weapon or a new device and you would kind of go back to old missions that you had done just to see how it would work in something uh, yeah. that you were familiar with. The uh, The system in that game is also really interesting because if you start favoring a certain strategy too much, the enemies will actually slowly over time begin to counter that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, in that game, I was always just, like, the scout sniper. Like, I would, tr- I would try to just, like, get to, get that outpost to a point where I could just leisurely walk in because there was <laughs> nobody left because i just <laughs> murdered them all from a mile away um, yeah. but then of course what do they start doing they start traveling in pairs they start wearing helmets all the time the mm-hmm. sons of bitches and <laughs> and uh you know having like all kinds of detection things spotlights right. um patrols going out further and further in order mm-hmm. to counter snipers and so yeah i yeah i had actually forgotten about about metal gear solid 5 that's a really good choice what about you, Ted? Any any games combat mechanics that really really stick out as as solid stuff? I don't know. Like I really enjoyed Bloodborne uh, and just like the Dark Souls series, um, mostly because of of uh, all the gameplay was like learning and becoming a better player mm-hmm. rather than just like getting upgraded. I mean, that is a part of the game, but it's more uh, centered around you learning and, and yeah, just being better at the mm-hmm. game. Um, I mean, simple mechanics, it's nothing like groundbreaking, but it definitely made you go into every, uh, every situation with, with the thought in mind of like, how am I going to, like, what am I going to change to make this an easier fight? Um, which I thought was really cool. I think that would be my answer as well. Uh, the soul series and, and specifically Bloodborne. I, I think the, the decisions they made with Bloodborne's mechanics and like, forcing the player to be aggressive with like the regain mechanic where if you lose life if you quickly strike an enemy after losing life you'll you'll possibly yeah. have a chance to regain some of it um so it forces yeah. you to be more aggressive than in some of the souls games where you're playing much more defensively and it kind of favors players being careful and slow and hiding behind shields or doing a lot of dodging and rolling um i think with with mm. the souls and bloodborne uh the the stuff that from software has essentially done is they've given every move uh 
like wait and 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 you you know what's going to happen so like when you commit to a move you know you're committed to it and you know what's going to happen and you know how it can go well for you and you know how it can go poorly for you and uh you know the same thing it's like hey the enemies have these same rules applied to them so if you can uh exploit them when they attack or if you can dodge them correctly it just it just feels really satisfying and and like once you have your head around the rules of whatever that game systems are then you can you can adapt to new situations and you can try new strategies and i think it, it just it's so rewarding as a player learning those systems within uh the uh the souls born type games and, and applying them to, to to whatever you come across so i, I definitely agree with you i, I think the the stuff they do there is, is really, really incredible. Um, David, what about you? I definitely don't know that it's the best, but I for sure enjoyed it. Some of the most is actually uh, Mass Effect Andromeda's combat system. That game had a lot of problems, like a <laughs> lot of problems. <laughs> but when there were points in that game and I had some of the most fun in that game, when that game just, just finally kind of got out of its own way and you were just playing... Like you're just mm. in combat encounters playing the game. That was some real great Mass Effect. Um, like I said, lots of other things going on in that game. But you were way, way more mobile in, than in previous editions of the game. Because in, in Mass Effect 1 through 3, it's very much kind of like like a, all the levels are very... Like it's, it's tunnel, then wider area, tunnel, wider area, tunnel, wider area. And that's kind of how the levels are designed. So you have these like arenas basically and then tunnels to mm -hmm. get to them uh but in so definitely lending itself to the third person cover shooter that it is but in andromeda everything is way more open because it's mm -hmm. kind of got the this sort of segmented sort of almost node-based open world thing going on um so you can technically come from come into a combat encounter from any direction and as a result they gave you all kinds of new movement things like you have your little jet pack that allows you to jump in certain directions and even float and do all these kinds of things. And so the movement, like when you kind of mastered that, you felt like you were a superhero. You're just like you dash in and then jump up and float over top of a rock to shoot people and then like combat roll down and cast six powers at somebody and and jump away again. And the way that you mm -hmm. could uh, upgrade all your powers first, there is a shitload of them. And then the way that you upgraded all of your powers, you didn't have to necessarily, like in the previous editions, you had to choose a class. In Andromeda, your class was given to you as, an, as a bonus, depending on what out of everything you had upgraded. So like yep. you, could, you could invest points in anything, you know, biotic tech or um, uh, combat. And then it's, it'll say like, okay, you've got a whole bunch of things upgraded in tech and combat here's a combat engineer bonus that you can now equip that will give you even more bonuses based on these things but you could you it was very much like player's choice on what they wanted to do and you could reset that halfway through the game like if you felt like you didn't feel like being a combat engineer you could just turn into a biotic dude super doesn't make sense thematically but who gives a fuck it was fun and yeah. um the way that you could also you could upgrade craft and modify weapons in a way mm -hmm. that you couldn't before. And so I had, they had this gun that was 100% modeled to be like a six shooter revolver. Super doesn't make sense, but it, I guess they just thought it would look cool and it super <laughs> fucking does. And so I upgraded it to have a classic heat sink. So it would never run out of ammo. 
and then homing plasma bolts. And so I was just this combat engineer with a dope ass homing plasma bolt pistol that was just like flying around, cast freezing people and then like like shooting them and jumping around. (laughs) And I literally never had to aim because all of my bullets could home in on people. And then my secondary was a machine gun that could fire like 200 bullets in about 10 seconds. But every bullet was a bouncy sticky grenade. (laughs) <laughs> so that was my heavy killer is i would just pull that out and stick 200 grenades to a bad guy's face so like nice. it was just this ultimate power like you had to get through a whole bunch of mass effect andromeda to get to the point <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you wanted to be in but there were points where the combat in that game just was so fun to play with and yeah. you felt super rewarded for investing in your powers and you know really upgrading all of your stats and your blueprints and your crafting abilities and stuff in order to craft mm-hmm. these weapons that were super awesome. And I f- and that's kind of the problem with Andromeda is I think a lot of people dropped off before they really got to that point because that was right. more of a mid mid game but definitely late game kind of thing. It's like by the end of that game you are this fucking superhero basically right, and it right. it was so yeah. fun to play. That um, makes me want to play it. Yeah, I I I would honestly just like if you just like skip all the cutscenes, you know, for whatever they're worth. I by the end of it, I maybe it was, maybe the writing got better. Maybe it was Stockholm Syndrome, but I actually liked the story by the end. Yeah. Sort of. I don't know. It was it was okay. It was okay. But the playing it just to see, just even academically to see what that combat system was like and kind of the fun that you could have crafting mm-hmm. these silly weapons that for sure don't make any sense combat wise and like building up your combat powers i i would i would play it for that just just to kind of see what they did in it yeah for sure it's too bad that uh installation killed the franchise because <laughs> i think i think it's gonna be a few years before uh, they ever try and do something with mass effect again yeah they said it's not dead but uh yeah well definitely <laughs> in a coma yeah yeah <laughs> Um, anyways, let's, uh, let's maybe wrap things up with a few, uh, non-gaming recommendations before we close things out. Um, does anyone want to recommend something to the folks listening at home, uh, before we, uh, we say goodbye this week? Uh, Ted, you got anything for us? Uh, yeah. Um, again, like a video editing kind of thing. Um, I recently got a subscription for, it's called Epidemic Sound. Mm-hmm. And it's basically royalty-free music, um, and they have a ton of it, and it's actually really high quality um, that you can use. um, And I think it's the one I have is like $15 a month, which might be a little expensive, Mm -hmm. um, but they do give a free month trial for the first one. So you can use uh, the music for Facebook, Instagram, um, as well as YouTube, but you can also contact them if you want to use it for Twitch um, and just like let them know what your page is and more than likely you're able to use the nice. music but uh yeah just a good way to get some royalty free music that's pretty pretty good yeah i think i actually used epidemic this summer uh at my internship when i was trying to get some music for us to license for certain videos um that's really cool uh just what do you want to recommend to, to the folks listening adventure time ended <gasps> oh so uh, sad but you know that was great start from the beginning if you haven't seen it <sighs> what is it 200 episodes or something easy <laughs> yeah. easy uh but I guess I'd recommend a show I'm not I'm watching currently, but I'm not done. It's called Counterpart. Okay. Starring J.K. Simmons. Okay. And it's um has anyone seen Fringe? Yes. Yes, I have actually. It's a little bit like Fringe. Not as sci-fi as Fringe. Basically what's happening is that there was a s there was a, a doorway found to another world, so there's counterparts, so like you're 
you're just two J.K. Simmons in the show. Interesting. And before the split, everything was the same. But then after the split, those characters started diverging in terms of like what choices they made. And so it's interesting. J.K. Simmons cool. is a great cool. actor, obviously. Mm. So I, I like it. It's really good. I do like me some J.K. Simmons. Yeah, yeah, terrific actor. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, Voltron. I think we've talked about it on the show before. Uh, it's a Netflix series a reboot of an old Japanese anime. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's it's uh, it's interesting. I don't think it's for everyone because th- there is some you know fantasy magic mumbo jumbo, a lot of like Deus Ex Machina that saves the day here and there. Uh, <laughs> but, but what I really enjoy is like a lot of the uh, character work and and sort of how how they've grown over the last few seasons. And the interesting thing about that show is they like put out multiple seasons every year because it's only been out for like two or three years and they're already on season yeah. seven. Um, yeah. And it's, it's funny because I was reading a headline that was just like, oh, wow. oh, final season of Voltron wraps up uh, this year. And I'm just like, oh, that's, that's, that's kind of sucks, but I should catch up. So I watched the last season and, and I got to the finale and I'm just like, wait a minute, they're introducing something in the finale. And then I realized, oh no, no, no they mean there's another season coming later in the year. Um, but, uh, cause yeah, I got to the finale and it ends on a cliffhanger. I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. They're going to to be continued. All right. I, I cause I, I literally thought I was watching the last few episodes. Um, but this last season is really good. They, they do some really interesting things. They introduce some new cool characters. Um, they really up the stakes for, for the main protagonists. Um, but yeah, if you haven't checked it out, Voltron, um, David, what about you? Mine is sort of games adjacent. Sure. <laughs> but, um, and I guess kind of more for people in Vancouver, unless you feel like traveling. But um, um, Hothead is hosting the PvP uh, pitch circuit on September 25th, which is a um, basically you if you have a game or not even a game, it can be kind of any entertainment product, book, comic, TV show, script, movie, whatever you want. Um, you can come in and it's this big group of people with tons of industry professionals in there. And uh, you can just pitch your game and get a whole bunch of feedback immediately on it. Um, mm. Maybe even find some people who like want to work on it with you and that kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah, Hothead's going to be uh, hosting that uh, on September 25th. Um, so you can uh, maybe we'll, maybe we can put like a link or that to something. Yeah, in the, I, in the I link definitely link that in the show notes. Yeah. Check that out if you if you have an idea or or just want to like you can just come as an audience member just to like hang out and see you know cool. a whole bunch of people pitching games and and all kinds of stuff like that because it's always a fun mm. time and uh, yeah that's that's it cool uh, sorry sorry are they doing it right at your studio yep yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be at Hothead sweet awesome uh, and so awesome. like the address and stuff uh, for all that is is on the uh, it'll be on the sign up page and and such yeah cool. Um, well, I think that's going to do it for us this week's, but, uh, but if you folks at home want to discuss the show with us, uh, or weigh in on the news or, or some of the topics that we, we, we talked about today, a good place to do that is the podcast discussion channel on the shelf games discord. And the link for that is in the channel notes, uh, or you can send us email shelvegames at gmail.com. And of course you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts, shelvegames.com, uh, Apple podcasts, Google play. You can subscribe and rate and review the show there. That really helps us out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Shelve Games. You can follow me at John underscore Tab. And of course, we're also on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. Just search for Shelve Games, twitch.tv slash Shelve Games. And music for the show is by Zed Ion, who you can find on SoundCloud. Uh, Chisulo, can, can people find you on the internet? Or are you still, still 
live, living that anonymous life. Nah, I'm a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you, Ted? What's uh, where can people find you? Uh, my Twitch is Teddy Gage, and my uh, new business. Uh, I make a lot of videos and stuff. It's Railcar Creative, and we're on Instagram. Pretty pretty crazy right now. So awesome. Uh, David, what about you? Where can people find you? Um, well, I just this last week um, finished up my website, which is dsmillen.com, which will have examples mm. of uh, my game design work, a link to uh, one of the podcasts that I help run, and then just like links to all my social media and stuff. So dsmillen.com. Awesome. You have launched a new podcast venture with uh, some, some of your game developer friends. Uh, that's the Monday Mobile Podcast. That is the Monday Mobile Podcast, where we, uh, yeah, we, me and um, two of my colleagues uh, get together once a week, and it's a very short show. It's just thirty minutes, uh, so um, thirty minutes on kind of the current trends in mobile games. Uh, sometimes we'll talk about specific subjects. This next week, we're talking about the do's and don'ts of monetization. Actually, hey, so hey. <laughs> um, if you want to hear more about what we think about monetization in games and how it can work and not, that would be uh, the one coming out on Monday. And then sometimes we'll just break down uh, mobile games as well. Just interesting mechanics. We find things that they have done well, or maybe not so well um in that as well so yeah awesome well people people will have to check it that show out find it uh wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review that show and then go and rate and review our show um <laughs> but uh to be, to be frank i've actually been really enjoying your discussions on on uh on the podcast because it's just really cool to get that perspective of the people working in that space talking about a lot of those mechanics and a lot of those games and just like trends uh so it's it's i mean we can sit here on the shelf games podcast like a bunch of chuckleheads and sort of <laughs> say what we think about the industry. Uh, but it's really, really fascinating to, to have people actually working in it, uh, talking about it uh, a lot more authoritatively. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty fun to do, honestly, because one of the, um, we kind of have different levels of experience. You know, I've been in the games industry for about five years now. Um, Mark, one of the guys, he's been in it since, um, you know, for about seven years, I think. And then Charles um, has been in the games industry for about 16 years now. Right. Um, has worked at EA and AAA games, now works in mobile. So he has tons of great stories and anecdotes and, and insight as well. So yeah, it's, it's good fun. Cool. Well, uh, people have to check that out. Uh, but again, a huge thank you to all of you fine folks today uh, uh, for joining me and for having a, a great little chat. Um, and folks, thank you for stopping by and checking us out. And, uh, you know, if you like the show, maybe you should share it with some of your friends to help spread the shelf games gospel. Uh, but uh, we'll catch you next time next week. So until then, go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're going to find. That's funny. The worst I've seen is we were drinking at Rodney's Oyster House mm. and we drank a lot there and we like walked outside after like four hours of just like slamming beers and oysters. Oh, God. And we go outside and my buddy just immediately throws up into like a tree <laughs> on the sidewalk <laughs> and it was like I, I've never seen 
more disgusting puke in my life. It was pretty no, good. I was, was going to say, I wonder if that's just like a common occurrence at oyster bars. It like, has I just to feel be. like mi- mixing seafood and alcohol is like a sure recipe for like vomit city. It's, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like a great time. 